0: Good morning Calvary Chapel West Grove. If you guys have your Bible, yeah, it's exciting times. You know, I just want to share with you guys, man, this is exciting times. Um, man, we are all in the boat together. You know, I've lost my senior pastor. I haven't lost him. It's not a memorial. But, uh, <laughs> but we're in this thing together, and it's just such a blessing to be here with you guys. You know, enemy's a Liar, I, I drove in here today. No cars were here, and I was thinking there's going to be no cars here. <laughs> so you, you have no idea just how encouraging. I'm going to sleep well tonight just knowing that there are a couple of people here with us this morning. But, man, I, I just know how good God is and how much he loves me and he loves us and he's going to be faithful to me and he's going to be faithful to us and this is exciting times um, is the more I say that the more I believe it because even as Pastor Brad said last week change is difficult and uh, nobody likes it and it promotes growth though and um, I know that God is going to grow me He's going to grow us through this whole thing and I'm blessed to have been here many years, but I've only had one senior pastor my whole life. I was born again and blessed, in my opinion, to have not only the best senior pastor, but I believe the best Bible teacher that I've ever heard. And um, so he is my leader, my mentor, my, my senior pastor. I just want to encourage you guys it's, it's a different time, and we're looking for safety. And, and I just want you to know that we're going to stay the course. Uh, our senior pastor has laid an amazing foundation. And I know that it's not done. I know God is going to continue to add through this next season that we're in. But I just want to assure you, you can exhale and just know that, you know, we're going to continue to stay the course, and we're going to continue to teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the Word of God. And the same Spirit that worked and moved in this place is still here, and um, we're excited for this next season. Amen? Amen? If you guys have a Bible, yeah. That wasn't planned, but that's probably the best part of the message today. So, <laughs> But if you guys have a Bible, go ahead and open it up to the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28. And um, the older I get, the quicker Christmas comes around. It just seems like... Man, we were I remember like six months ago, we're like, wow, we're almost to Christmas, and here we are. And I don't know about you, but I absolutely love this time of the year, the Christmas time. I think everyone should and does. I mean, the people who don't, uh, people refer to them as Grinches, and man, I, I couldn't agree with that more. It's truly a wonderful time of the year. You know, the lights, the family time, the food, the just the excitement that is going on the parties the the eggnog i love eggnog and uh, the desserts and all those things it truly is the best time of the year and i can go on and on and on but for us as believers i believe that we get double blessings uh, a double blessing this time of the year because not only do we get to enjoy all those things that i spoke about but we get to meditate and focus upon the birth of our lord and savior jesus christ and so i believe there's double meaning and double blessing for us as believers the birth of jesus um, is widely known everybody knows believers and non-believers alike people understand they've heard the story of the birth of our lord and savior jesus christ they know the shepherds and the manger scene and all those different things but this morning i want us to to dig if we can just a little bit deeper Uh, Then more, not so much focusing on just the amazing story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But really, if we could this morning, focus on the why. Why he came. Those of us who were parents, if you remember a time when your children were little or toddlers or maybe even teens or adults. There was a time where that question why was so important to them. And it would come over and over and over. What is this? Why? 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 They wanted to know why. They were so inquisitive they wanted to know the why and i think that's equally important for us today to understand why he came and really to focus on why he came we know he came but why and so if you could let's look at matthew chapter 20 verse 28 it's a verse that we're familiar with and it says this just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many And this one short verse that we see here today, I believe that we see the why. We see why he came to the earth, which was simply put, to serve and to give. And those will be our two points that we're going to look at today. Why he came to serve and to give. I believe this verse is not only one of the most beautiful, sweet, and simple summaries of the whole gospel, If you are ever curious about how to share your faith, to share the gospel, to share the good news, I believe that you can take this simple verse and implant it and share it with somebody and allow the Spirit to minister to their heart and to their life. Because this is the good news. He came to serve and he came to give. So not only is it a beautiful summary of the gospel, but also I believe this could be Jesus' mission statement. This is what he came to earth to do. This was what he, had, he focused on. And if there were any time that he was weak or he was down and he was discouraged, I guarantee he was encouraged and built up knowing that he came to serve and to give. And it's important when we know our mission, our land, and our focus to continue to move forward. I believe this was Jesus' mission and statements that he gave for us. And so, why he came? He came to serve And so, as we look about this, we need to understand and be reminded, as we'll see here today, that nothing about Jesus' life, his birth, his servant time where he was serving and ministering, his ministry, his death, nothing was about him. He came to serve and to give. And as we look at that and wrap our minds around that this morning, I think it's important that we see what an example he gave for us. And how we too, as he modeled what serving and giving looked like, We, too, should be serving the Lord with all of our hearts, serving others with all of our heart, and giving of ourselves as well. And so point number one is he came to serve. Jesus is the ultimate example of a true servant. And examples are very, very helpful for us. They give us encouragement. They give us practical um, illustrations of what something is to look like. One of my favorite examples, and I'm so thankful that God gave us in his word, is the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. As he talked about men and women who were justified by faith, who endured by faith. And because of their faith, the Bible says it was declared to them righteousness. And I think it's so important because this journey that we're on, this marathon that we're on, our faith gets tested at times. Difficult times that we go through. Loss. Loss pain, suffering. And it's at those times when we're squeezed and what's inside is naturally going to come out. And so I'm so thankful that God gave us examples, practical examples throughout the word of God that we can see these men and women went through tough times, through persecution, through difficulty, but they were able to endure. And so when I look at them and I say, he was a man just like I am. And he God through it and Lord, you're not a respecter of person. So I'm so thankful for practical examples that we see through the word of God. And what an example Jesus is. Being God, being the king of kings, the Lord of lords, yet he humbled himself, came to the earth to be the servant of servants. And so when we talk about how he came to serve, yes, we're gonna lift him up, and see that he is the ultimate example for us of what a true servant looks like. And I think we see that very clearly this morning in John chapter 13. And we'll have those slides on the board. John chapter 13, verse 4 and 5 says this. He got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. We see Jesus doing the job of a servant. Back then, there would always be somebody as you would enter the house who would wash your feet. And this was a job of the lowliest of lowest servants. You know, they wore sandals and it was dirt. There was no paved roads. There was no nice, luscious grass. And so you could imagine as they made a journey through the dirt and through the dust, by the time they would get to the house, they were in Great need of a manicure, okay? And you could imagine the condition of somebody's feet going through those types of things. And so here's Jesus humbling himself, doing the lowliest of lowliest deed, washing his disciples' feet. What an example for us. And we'll jump to verse 14 on the slide. It'll be on the board as well. It says, if I then, your Lord and your teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you a what? An example that you should also do as I did to you. And so when we see that he came to serve time and time again throughout the Gospels, we see this servant's heart, this servant's attitude in Jesus, who was in control of all things, who through him everything was created, yet he laid aside everything to come to be born in a manger and to be a servant, a servant of all. It's amazing. I think Philippians chapter 2 really kind of covers in depth exactly what Jesus did. And you don't have to turn there unless you want to. But Philippians chapter 2, it'll be on the board. Verse 5 says this. Have this attitude in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, And being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and those who are under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, tucked away, we see this Christmas story on why he came. And what he did to come. And the highlight of those few verses that we looked at, we see that Jesus emptied himself. Other translations, New King James actually says that he made himself of no reputation. This is God. The one who spoke the world into existence. It says he made himself of no reputation, humbled himself, came to the earth, took on the form of a servant. And I think that's important. Not just the form of a man. It would be come as a king and come as a a ruler. No, even lower than that, as a servant. He emptied himself. It's important to understand that he could not and that he did not empty himself of his deity. He is God. He couldn't lay those things aside. And so when it says he emptied himself, what he did was he emptied himself taking on the form of a service, of a servant. This wasn't an exchange one for the other. I'm going to trade in my deity and I'm going to become a servant. No, rather he took it on, he added it to who he was because he always is, was, and will be God. And so he laid aside certain attributes, but he was god fully god and fully man it's hard to understand and we could go on and on just about that doctrine kenosis of the fact that he emptied himself but we won't this morning my simple mind one of my favorite shows that helps me understand early this, early on in my faith this idea of him emptied himself anybody ever seen the show uh, undercover boss i love that show man that show's emotional. Every time I watch that show, my allergies kick up. I mean, it's just—it's the craziest thing. I don't know what it is. I start looking for windows, or—I mean, it's—you get these people, and he just blesses them, and he just pours into. I mean, it's sweet. I was actually watching it last night. This woman, I mean, in Mexico, served. Two, she was working two jobs, and her husband was working two jobs, and her daughter was a newborn baby, and she needed a hernia surgery, and so it, it, she was. He was asking her. And so here they are four jobs total. And the, the, the surgery would have cost him $2,000. And man, he was just broken. He just he blessed him. He bought him a new house, a car. And I mean, it, it was just an amazing story. And it's awesome. But back to the point, moral of the story, undercover boss, I just want to give you a preview of the story last night. But <laughs> just because he goes undercover doesn't mean he's any less of the boss. He's still the boss. He's still the owner. But he takes on this role and humbles himself. And I remember seeing that and helped my simple mind understand that. And so here he is. He emptied himself. He humbled himself, came to the earth to be a servant. That's why he came. He came to serve. Earlier in this chapter, in response to the disciples and questions about places of power and prominence in his kingdom, Jesus gave not only the disciples... But us here today, a very important lesson, which I believe is the key to greatness. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, it says, whoever wishes to be great among you, whoever wishes to be great must be a servant of all. This is a lesson on greatness, and it took just one chapter, I mean, one little verse on greatness Desire to be great, you must be a servant. You see, greatness in God's eyes isn't about status, but it's about service. That's what greatness in God's eyes is all about. This is completely opposite from the world's view of what greatness is. You see, the world's view of what greatness is it's about being served and not serving, it's about being taken care of, you know, weighted hand and foot upon. That's what the world sees as great. The more people you have working for you, the more people that are doing for you, the greater you are. But it is completely opposite in God's kingdom. It's not about status or power. It's about service and humility. You see, greatness is something that we've been encouraged to, encouraged with, and even we encourage others to be great. This is an encouragement. Go be great. Go, go attain and strive for greatness. But if we're not careful Our attempt to attain greatness, if we're not really careful to understand God's view of greatness, we can miss God's mark for greatness completely. And what happens when we do that is we fall into the world's trap of what greatness is. Prestige, power, promotion, money. And all those things are good in and of themselves. But when we're striving for them and we're attempting and attaining to gain those things in our own strength, and our own power, we're missing the mark. Jesus said if we seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, all things will be added unto us. And so it's a faith thing. Are we going to try to attain or are we going to seek him and let God gain and add to as he sees fit? So we got to be really, really careful, which is why it's so important to understand Jesus' teaching on real Greatness being a servant of all the word servant in the greek can be translated into our english word waiter waiter and we're familiar with waiters and servers in that industry i mean think about it it's a server that's what we call those people and really a server is just short for servants this is one of the most difficult jobs around being a server we have any servers out there all right these are the people we need to be praying for because their patience is tested because people, I mean, it makes me so upset when I'm in a restaurant and I see somebody being mean to a server. Talking to them, I, I, I want to I jump across the table. What are you doing? Why are you treating? What do you think you can treat people like that? But that's the mentality often in the world. Servers, their jobs are difficult because they, the demands, the way that they're treated, everything that goes into being a servant And even equally so for us, understanding what true greatness is to be a servant, it is difficult. It is hard. It's not easy. Jesus gave us the great example of what a servant is. He came to serve, and so we should model and be Christ-like and desire to be a servant even as he was. But it's hard because there's part of us inside of us that fights against that notion of being a servant. There's part of us that wants to be served rather than to serve we have to put to death that part of us it's called the flesh and it's impossible to master and to be a true servant apart from the help of Christ apart from his Holy Spirit one trick that can help us truly be a servant of all which Jesus was which he called us to be which true greatness is one trick that I found is to understanding that when we're serving people when we're serving others Really, we're serving Christ. Jesus said, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And whatever you do, whether you eat, you drink, you do unto the glory of God. If we're focusing on serving others, on people, that's difficult at times for different reasons. I found it very, very easy to serve and to give of myself for people that serve me, love me, respect me, And give to me. It's easy. It's a beautiful thing. That's God's design for marriage. But what happens is, as God has called the husband and wife to serve each other, is when one is not serving the other, that makes it difficult. That is very, very hard. Well, I'm not going to serve her. She didn't make me dinner for two. (laughs) We could just go on and on. Lord, I know you want me to serve and submit to this man, but uh, you know this man, Lord, better than anybody. (laughs) And so it gets difficult. He can serve himself. He ain't serving nobody but himself anyway. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's tough, but that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to serve. That's who he is. Jesus blessed those who cursed him. That's what he called us to do. And he not only called us to do it, he models and shows us what a true servant is. And so a trick is, I'm just going to do this. Unto you, I'm serving you in everything that I do. That's one trick. And so we know God's call. We know he modeled, he came to serve, and we too should be servants. And so how do we know how we're doing? Is there a test that we can see on this road to greatness, on this road to being a servant? How do we know what we're doing? Because if I pass a piece of paper around, most of us might think that we're doing pretty good. And then we give it to our spouse, and we realize we're not doing that good. (laughs) So how do we know personally? How can I check my heart? And I think one way we can is, when I really evaluate, how do I act? I believe the test is, how do I act? How do I respond when people treat me like a servant? If I'm somewhere, and somebody asks me to do something that I might think is below me. (laughs) Me? You want me to take out the trash? oh, oh! I got kids for that, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever. You know, how do we respond? Do we think, well, who do they think they're talking to? They must not know who they're, they're talking to. Is that how we respond? Because we're called to be a servant. A true servant doesn't respond and think it's better, think it's higher. Jesus emptied himself of all those things and took the job of a lowly position. And so whenever I, I, I see myself thinking, That's below me, or that's not for me. That's what I know, man. i got to check my heart. Lord, help me more of a servant. A servant responds with, oh my gosh, I get to do this? A servant is blessed, built up, and so encouraged at an opportunity to serve. Any and everything. Nothing's below them. And Jesus modeled that. Jesus was washing feet. We see that through men and women of God throughout the scriptures. We see that in the apostle Paul. You see... The Apostle Paul, when he was shipwrecked, when he was almost dead, as soon as he got to shore, the first thing he did is he went and started gathering. He started serving, gathering sticks to put on the fire. I read that, and I'm thinking, goodness gracious, this is the Apostle Paul. But he's going out just grabbing sticks while everybody's sitting around warming the fire. That's amazing. You see, the goal for us is to be servants of all, all the time. Not just when we are being seen, or when we're being noticed, or when we want to. It's in us. It's who we are. We're servants. It was in the Apostle Paul. He didn't get to the short and says, Man, I need a break. Let me put up my feet and relax a little bit. No, he just went right to work. And that's what we have to do. We have to be servants. When we're seen, it's easy to serve when we're seen. When people we look up, admire, are around, when they see, When the boss is around, we're the best workers of all time. (laughs) Man, man, everything changes when the boss is around, right? When the boss is around, man, I hear Pastor Brad coming down the hall. I'm walking in my office like this. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Man, what about when people aren't around? What kind of integrity do we have? Can we have it inside of us to be a servant? Not when we're seen, noticed, but at all times. It's also very interesting to me that the title servant is how we'll be greeted and ushered into heaven. I'm not going to be greeted and ushered into heaven. Pastor Eric, we're so thankful that you're here. Come on in, great and most honorable reverend. It's not how we're going to be greeted. It's going to say, well done, good and faithful, what? Servant. Servant. I'm a servant enter in. You see, I hope that there's a joy for all of us in in serving the Lord. Because that is what we'll be doing for all of eternity. Eternity in heaven isn't going to be us laying on the beaches, laying out in the beautiful sun in Hawaii, dipping our toes in the white sand beaches. That's not what it's about. Revelation chapter 22 says we'll be serving, ruling, and reigning with Christ for eternity. And so, What God is doing us now, he's given us an opportunity to practice and to prepare for eternity by being a servant. He's preparing us now. And our faithfulness and servanthood now will be rewarded later. Matthew chapter 25 verse 21 says, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been good with this and so I'm going to give you more. And so what we have now, we're going to get more in heaven to rule and to reign. If we've been this faithful, we get this much. If we've been this faithful, serving we will get this much. And so it will be rewarded. And so he came to serve. And so let's be like Jesus. Let's be great. And let's be a servant of all. The second point why he came was he came to give. He came to serve and he came to give. And it says specifically his life a ransom for many. When we think of Jesus giving his life for us, that's what he did, which is an amazing present. We can't think any further that forget that it started with God giving his only begotten son. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so as we celebrate this Christmas t- season and we're giving gifts, we can't lose sight of God's amazing gifts to us. God gave his son. Jesus gave so life was about giving. There will never be a more amazing, a more thoughtful, a greater gift than Jesus giving His life as a ransom for us. Nothing greater. Jesus spoke about it. He says, "No greater love than this, than one that would lay down His life." And that's what Jesus did. He came to lay down His life. He came to serve and to give. And He willingly gave His life as a ransom to deal with and to take away the sins of the world. He gave all for us so that we no longer have to be separated, so that we can be reconciled to God. He gave. What an amazing gift. Who's this gift for? Who did he give this gift for? Who did he give himself to? The Bible says for many, and it's for everyone. But sadly, many choose not to receive the gift. It's a choice. God gave his son for the whole world. Jesus gave his life as a ransom to free the whole world. But many won't receive it. Easy illustration is this Christmas time of the year, this season. There's presents under trees and there's names on it. Amazing gifts. People that have went out of their way and and thoughtful and sacrificed to put gifts under the tree. But It's just a gift and it's there, but it's not ours until we open and receive it and make it ours. We'd be a fool if I said, man, this gift right here is for you. I love you. I went out of my way. I sacrificed so much for this. I don't want it. You can you can just leave it there, but it's yours. I can't give it to someone else. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for us. The present is for us, for you and for me. To receive. Now, this word ransom, it has the idea of a paid price to redeem a slave or a prisoner. And I love that. I, I love being reminded that I was a slave. That I was a prisoner. Well, it's not too hard to remember. I'm a felon, I get, I get. But, I, but, I, but a slave. I, I was a slave. And not just me, all of us as unbelievers, there was a time when we were a slave to sin, being led by an evil master. Let us never forget that. That's why he came to give his life as a ransom. A price had to be paid so that we could be free. Man, let us never forget what it was like to be a slave to sin, to be controlled by sin. Thinking that we had everything under control, but we were just in bondage. Jesus came to pay that ransom, to redeem us so he could set us free from bondage, to set us free. It's also important to redeem. He had to pay a price. He didn't pay this price to the devil. He, didn't, he was our master, but he, Jesus didn't pay the price to him. It was paid to God to satisfy his righteous and holy anger against sin. The price had to be paid. And Jesus said, I'm willing to pay. And it was an expensive price, an expensive gift, an expensive sacrifice. It was with his own blood. With his life. The price was paid. And so, again, at the end of this verse, we see the price was paid for many. This actually means in the Greek, in the place of. So we're reminded of the substitutionary nature of christ's sacrifice it was him for me it was him for us i will go to redeem that slave that's why he came that's why the little baby in the manger we worship the humble king he came to serve and to give And so as we see Christ's example of of giving here today, what can we take from this practically, knowing that we can't give our lives for another to set somebody free? But what's the application for us here this morning? I believe two things. The first one, I think we give ourselves completely and wholly to him. I think that's our only reasonable sacrifice. You gave everything. I want to give everything to you. That's what he says. Our heart, mind, soul, strength. He wants everything. I think that's Completely understandable that we give everything to him. Romans 12, one says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He gave his life as a ransom. He gave everything. We give everything to him. What are you holding back today? What are you holding back from him today? What better day? A better time than now than to give everything to him. The second thing I think we can do is give ourselves completely and wholly to others. Taking the example and giving to others. 1 John 3 16 says, We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Sorry, sisters, you guys are out. (laughs) That we lay down our lives for each other. He gave everything. He gave his life as a ransom. We, too, give everything to him and everything to others. God and others. We give. So the second point, he came to give. And so let's be like Jesus and give everything we have. And so this Christmas season, let's not just meditate, worship, ponder, and be overwhelmed with the fact that he came and he was born in a manger, which is amazing. But also, let's meditate and think on why he came, which was to serve and to give. Let's pray. Devilly Father, we thank you so much this morning, Lord. We worship you this morning, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace. Lord, we love this time of the year. We love Christmas and everything that it is, the decorations, the fellowship, the friendship, the parties, the food, all those things. But God, more than that, we love that we get to celebrate you coming to earth, you emptying yourself, you humbling yourself. But God, this morning as we see, we know that it was, you came on a mission, you came with a purpose, and Lord, we want to be overwhelmed with why you came to serve and to give. And Lord, we're so thankful for that. We worship you for that. We're in awe of you for that, that you would do that for us, for us. And so, Lord, I think the only thing we can do is give everything to you, give everything to people that we give ourselves and that we serve you and serve others as well. And so, Lord, I pray that we would meditate upon this day and night, Lord, as we leave. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you have heard for the first time, you realize for the first time, or maybe you are ready to rededicate because of the fact that what God has given you. God sent his only begotten son for you. Jesus gave himself for you, a ransom, so that you can be free. God wants you to be free, so much so that he sent his son to die in our place, him for us. If you're here today and you're separated from God because of the sin in your life, today we realize there's presence upon presence that God gave that you don't have to leave that way. This morning, if you're willing to say, God, I need to be forgiven. God, please forgive me. I want to be right with you. I want to have fellowship with you. Today is the day. Today more than ever. The price is already paid. The present is under the tree. Will you receive his grace today? His hand is reaching down. Will you receive it today? Whether it's the first time or a rededication, today is the day of salvation. I want to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, and that's you, would you just simply raise your hand saying pastor i'm ready and today is the day anybody here i see your hand i see your hand anybody else today is the day of salvation open that present and we got people in here who raise their hand it's the universal sign of surrender god i'm surrendering my life to you If you're watching online, you can pray the same prayer that we're going to pray here today. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me and just mean it in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I have sinned and fallen short of your righteousness. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Please come into my heart and help me to live for you in all that I do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. We rejoice with you this morning. Why he came, the fact that he came. These are the reasons for Christmas. And so as we leave today, just remember that you have a God who loves you and is willing to humble himself to come to be born. But the why is important. He came to serve and to give. And so may we take that example and serve and give everything that we got. If you're here today and you need prayer for any and everything, we got people who would love to pray for you. And uh, God bless you guys, and we'll see you soon.